Welcome to another episode of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of DoubleJump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how you going, mate? I'm going okay. Um, not much in my week this week, except for a few games, but otherwise, all right. So, yeah, how, how you? How are the cats doing? Um, <laughs> they're getting big enough to like escape their room, <laughs> like because we have this little room, which I think I've described before. Where it's like there's like a slide in like piece of uh, like I don't know cheap wood or something that keeps them enclosed, mm-hmm. and now yeah. like we set it up so that there's like a really high barrier to get over it because they already figured it out a few weeks ago. Now they've gotten mm-hmm. over that, so <laughs> they're getting um I don't know evasive. Getting they're tricky. also sleeping on my lap a lot, <laughs> which has been nice. But oh, that's yeah, cute. So. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, not much. Um, yeah, what about you? Yeah, yeah, no, it was um, it was good. Uh, Try to fit in some Halo. I uh, got the chance to watch uh, the new Venom and Dune, but we'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, but let's uh, introduce our guest for this week, uh, Ty. Welcome back, mate. How you doing? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> good um, to be back. Yeah, well, yeah, no, great to have you back, man. Uh, um, uh, before we started recording, you were telling me how Venom is your uh, movie of the decade. I think that was oh, a direct yeah. quote. Is that yeah? <laughs> absolutely adored it fantastic (laughs) like there's some there's some bad comic book movies but jesus christ that's the thing like um okay first things first venom let there be carnage the sequel to i think 2018's venom with uh tom hardy reprising his role as venom um like pretty much everyone from the first movie is back except for the bad guy obviously (laughs) what happens at the end of that movie uh, essentially, in this, uh, Carnage is the, uh, from the comic books, is kind of like the the anti-Venom, like the, the, like the crazy version of Venom who takes over a, a serial killer named, uh, was it Cletus Cassidy? Yeah, Cletus was? Cassidy. Um, yeah, so it, it, it kind of leans into the, like the buddy cop shenanigans of the first movie, but like... Where the first movie had like a bit of like a mix of things, I think this one just focuses pretty much solely on that dynamic. What what did what did you think about that? I think you, the biggest problem is you have a character like Cletus Cassidy, who, for all intents and purposes, is like Marvel's equivalent of like I don't know something that. So he's like the most violent character you could possibly put in a movie yeah. with Venom, and they don't really do much with him mm. like Woody Harrelson could only do so much <laughs> like Woody Harrelson's a good choice to play him but you yeah. don't give him an opportunity to do anything it's just, they just mm. without getting into spoilers they just take some weird directions with what you would think they would do with Carnage it's just very strange yeah. it, it's from I got the impression like maybe like 20 or 30 minutes of like development it was like kind of chopped out of this movie to make it fit oh, absolutely the, the hour and a half or whatever like is expected of like it, a modern it's almost like what happened with the film. first one where the first one mm. we know now after the fact that there was a good probably 45 minutes of footage left on the cutting room floor that yeah. you know not all of that would have ended up being used but a lot of it probably should have been used and i think they've just repeated the same mistake yeah 
and and it was especially disappointing because like Andy Circus, who I don't know, does he actually play Venom? I don't actually that is know because like question, you know, actually, like he is a a he's a very seasoned like you know motion capture artist, and he he's excellent at doing lots of different characters like character voices and stuff, mm. but. So um, you would think he'd yeah, be a good choice to direct it. it because he would understand a lot of the finer points exactly. of it. But I don't think the blame lies at his feet. It just, and, and, it just, and the thing yeah. is, like, he directed... I think he directed the last Planet of the Apes film. That um, wasn't uh, Matt Reeves. Not, no, he directed, Reeves like, the, the Jungle Book one. movie, didn't he? I thought yeah, that was he the did, last he did the Jungle Book, Oh, yeah. okay. Like, another Jungle Book, like, <laughs> Mo- Mobley or something? <laughs> yeah, that's the one, Mobley. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, gotcha, yeah. Because um, the other Jungle Book film, was that John Favreau? Yeah. I think I think that was the yeah, other one. Yeah, that was John Favreau. Like, one was like a Disney one, one was something else. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I digress. The, the wide. <laughs> but yeah, like, y- you'd think that he would, um, he would be like a great choice for it. But maybe he did have a lot of ideas for it and then... He was kind of hamstrung by the producers. It's it's hard to tell, really. I mean, I don't see Sony letting him having have a lot of uh, free reign over the production when this was basically their back door. Or I, mean, I don't want to get into it actually because it might spoil some things. But um, uh, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'll tell I'll tell you what got a lot of character development was that um that fancy OLED TV. <laughs> <laughs> Like everything, Sony's all over this thing. Like, I mean, why not? Sony, Sony, Sony got the best music character artists, development. Sony TVs everywhere. <laughs> Sony laptops that aren't even sold in the US. <laughs> it's like I never, I never realized that New York was just controlled by Sony. It's amazing. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's like, it's like Blade Runner where they had like Atari, on the wall, <laughs> but it's it's Sony. Um, yeah, like even like the mo- like the motivations for Cletus Cassidy, like they, they basically showed enough to justify why he's like this, but not enough but to s- show his I s- change. I see I that's know. kind of the problem though. I don't think when Cletus Cassidy needs to justify why he does things, because that's kind yeah. of the point of Cletus Cassidy. It's just he's yeah. evil for the sake of being evil. And yeah. they kind of tried to justify it, which is weird. I think maybe someone said, "Okay, we need we need like a." They're like, "Oh, Black Panther was really good because it mm. had like a sympathetic villain." Let's try that with this, but with none of the nuance and development that that uh, that Killmonger got in that movie. That, but it's again, it's like you didn't need that. Like, just have Cletus Cassidy do bad things. Be Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like. Um, yeah. It felt like, not every bad guy needs depth. It kind of reminded me a lot of the DC movies, like um, the last lot of DC movies, where they just did weird things. Yeah, and you're just yep, like, yep. okay, like, like unnecessary. Yeah. Even with um, even with uh, the like the Wonder Woman from last year, like eighty four, eighty four. Not Wonder Woman yeah, 84 whatever it was 1984 yeah. that also had that same thing where it was like, it's like you know like why trying to shoehorn in that sympathy and stuff it's like and the, you know, and you know characters yeah. go in weird directions and do and say weird things and you're just like where is this coming from why are we doing yeah. this <laughs> like the Eddie and Brock thing <sighs> like yeah. why why did we have like the friction in their relationship is 
very this is John <laughs> like I want to eat people no don't eat people yeah. and it's like a rom-com like what yeah, yeah what like, is like this that actually like that actually could be funny in terms it could of be thing, yeah like a, a lethal weapon style thing but yeah. Uh, yeah someone who hasn't seen it I remember like Circus like playing up the comedy angle ahead of like release yeah. like is that that stuff like not really in it as much oh no it is it is okay. most it's definitely it. yeah it's in it but it's like because the movie it's like the movie doesn't have time to breathe mm. right because you're missing such a big chunk there it's like I think in, if the movie was longer the comedy would be a great break but because it seems like the movie's like you just go from scene to scene to scene like it seems like the comedy was a bit too much in your face no I mean yeah. I like some of the jokes like I, I get like um, like I, I generally found some of the jokes really funny but it's like it was just a lot it's um I think the best way to to like really understand the problems with the movie I think it was IGN had a clip just before it um premiered from where Venom escapes the execution scene and a lot of yep. people were like oh so this is just like snippets of that scene but it's like no this is actually how it's edited this is the full ah, scene like gotcha. this, it feel like some people were like oh it's a montage just like no that's the scene this is just how it was yeah and that's right, kind of like how they breeze through everything by just yeah. cutting things weirdly and editing the pacing is bizarre yeah like I think for me I think I enjoyed this more than the first one just because uh, I think I think I liked the buddy cop kind of relationship there but the thing about um, the first one is that you know origin stories I think mm. tend to be just better like I feel like they always are uh, whoops, sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> why is this coming? Okay, I'm gonna throw my phone over there. I don't know why. It's, it's on silent, but the notifications are coming off. <laughs> I have no idea. Anyway, um, yeah, like, John, I think don't stress about it. I think this will probably be like a, a good Netflix movie. Like, one, one day. Just, like, unless you're, like, really. Like I actually enjoyed it. I actually found it funny and, and had laughs through it. So, it's, like, a, for me, it's a fun turn I'm off really your brain thing. Like, you can enjoy it for yeah. what it is. But oh come on Eddie, <laughs> yeah, I lose Eddie. Uh, like, because I came into, <laughs> I don't know, I'll come into it with like even lower expectations now. But like, I came yeah. into the first one with low expectations and kind of enjoyed it well enough for just yeah. how like strange it was. Yeah. Um, and this yeah. one, it's like, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like it might not. I don't. <laughs> I feel like my expectations are gonna be high because of my like mild enjoyment of the first one. So I feel like it's gonna be disappointing anyway but I'll try and see what I get out of it. If you don't expect too much from it, it's fine. Like, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a fun, non-stop one and a half hours. There's some good laughs, some, some good gags in there, but it's, um, yeah, like, don't stress too much if you miss it in theatres. Don't like, think too much. Get the boys around, crack open a few beers or something, and just enjoy it. Don't, don't <laughs> think, don't try and understand, just watch. <laughs> Get the boys <laughs> over for Venom Two. That's it. <laughs> Venom Two. It's you know they say it's uh it's Venom it's it's, it's Venom Monday or whatever you're gonna just make it make a day of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's the song? what a way to spend Christmas. What was the song they used for the marketing? Yeah, Christmas, One is the loneliest yeah. number or something. You gotta watch it with the boys. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> that's what it, it was from. It was for this movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, I also got the chance to watch Dune over the weekend. Uh, you know, watch it like 
was there watching it IMAX and stuff because I'm like I'm a sucker for anything that's shot in IMAX because I'm lucky enough to be in a city that has like a decent IMAX. Um, it is a good IMAX. Uh, like, okay, number one, visually it's amazing. Great set set pieces, great cinematography. Um, a lot of the sound design, like, is a very like loud, like, like some great sound design, but then, like. I don't know, like, it's kind of a boring movie. There's a lot of talking in it, and it's, like, not even good talking. Like, Timothy Chalamet just comes across as, like, a whiny teenage boy, which I guess he's playing. And it's um, it's one of those, like, oh, you know, um, uh, I think they call it the white saviour trope in, in media, where it's, like, it's, like, The Last Samurai or something. It's, like, you know, they've, um, there's this oppressed, coloured, oppressed, population like in this case it's like basically arabs or africans north africans and then he's half english half greek heritage and he comes there and then he's basically fighting against vikings and like uh the mongols like the mongolian empire it's like kind of allegories for these different kind of cultural groups and historical groups but it just comes across as one of those like i guess like when Dune was written, like the original book was written like 1982 or something. So that probably at that time, you know, there was a lot of nuance for the time. But I think when you're in a book, you have a lot more room to kind of flesh out, you know, backstories and things like that. And and you can have lengthier dialogue scenes and everything. Whereas in this movie, it was, I feel like um a lot of that nuance or something that might have been in the original text was kind of removed and it's just, yeah that's why me personally i was really disappointed by it and like i know people love hans zimmer but let's be honest a lot of his music if it isn't like the dark knight trilogy is like pretty forgettable like it it just all sounds like the same kind of like boop like you know <laughs> like that type of sound and yeah. the way it was mixed was like um it was like sometimes you couldn't hear the dialogue because like Timothy Chalamet was basically doing his best like Edward Cullen impression and it, oh, yeah no. like I, I wish it was better than what it was like I'll put it that way which, which is why I'm really just dis- that's why I'm interested to hear what you think you might have a different point of view on you know what it might <laughs> what, of the film itself having not seen it though I'd be in- I, I am interested to know how faithful it is to the source material because that was the problem with all the other adaptions yeah i've never weird. i've never read it so i wouldn't know that's the thing i'm yeah i, I think like, you have read it, it. it's like what you're saying about the white savior thing like having read the source material that's i don't want to spoil anything but that's really not what that's what it looks like but it's not what and it becomes it eventually becomes a critique of it right not like even par- like not even it beca- it's it? not even it just becomes a character study really about like Paul Atreides and everything but I'll be I'm interested to see how faithful they are with it yeah and where it ends because a lot of people have said it just ends very abruptly oh yeah 100% 100% it's like it's it's definitely like one of those like cliffhanger endings and it's and it's like it, it doesn't end it it kind of ends in the second act. It's it's yeah. kind of got that type of um, ending. It's um, which is which, but yeah. that's really what it would be because it's only one half of the book. Yeah, is from what yeah. I heard anyway. 
Yeah, because like, it, it's kind of um, it's annoying because like all the marketing so far was like Dune, like mm. you know they're just calling it Dune, and then you get to the movie and then the the title part says one. Dune, Part One, <laughs> which is even funnier too because Part Two didn't get confirmed, like it didn't get greenlit until like until a like week a few or, weeks a few ago, weeks right? ago, yeah, and it's like wait what? And the thing like, is, that's confidence. Like, I respect it, but Jesus. Yeah, like, um, what was I going to say? Like, 2023 is when that part two is meant to be released. Mm. And if you know, like, I think, uh, like, Dennis, Denise Villeneuve, who's the director, Denise. who also did, you know, um, uh, Blade Runner 2049 and uh, Arrival, mm-hmm. he said, like, kind of the worry is that, yes, we've got a lot of assets and we've got a lot of things in place already, but... If you think of it, if it's going to come out in 2023, they're probably not going to start production for a few months now, and they'll need some time. And who knows what closures and stuff they'll they'll encounter and yeah, things well, like that. With COVID like, and that, it's kind it's of unrealistic tough. if they haven't started filming. Yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> but it was kind of like that's why the, the, maybe the film doesn't do a good job in terms of that white savior kind of critique mm. or like that character study and that like the only people who are of non you know i guess caucasian background uh there was uh a doctor who's asian um mm. the <laughs> the native the the tribal people who we're trying to save who are like a mix of african like like kind of allegories yeah. to like african and arabian but they're led by <laughs> javier bardem <laughs> you know i guess he's he's I mean, mexican he's not, i think he's, he's mexican white, so he's to be fair he's, he's, spanish, he's brown. Right? yeah yeah he's spanish so he's brown um, but um, okay if he's Spanish I'm not counting that if he's Mexican I'll count that <laughs> I'm the arbitrator no I'm kidding um, you must be this white and or or, or be at least brighter to be white. on this ride <laughs> nah um, but yeah like it, it was a bit and then it was like there was another like predominantly black character okay so they don't survive if you if you like you know people of colour or people who are not you know like very pale don't tend to make it and that's like really lazy now like i feel like you know in 2021 like given the source material maybe there was a lot you could have worked with to kind of i don't know like if i feel like it's a movie is going to get roasted anyway world, dude yeah it's a big world yeah and it's like like the original writer like frank herbert actually like kind of embedded himself and like lived among different like groups of ethnicities and stuff and and learnt about you know the nuances of islam and this and that and mm. it's like which is a big thing i guess all of that's lost it's a, <laughs> which i guess is like, all islamic, all lost the whole islamic um allegory as well is very big in the book yeah and it's kind of like lost here mm. <laughs> like it's it's just kind of like oh they say some arabic words and it's like oh look Shut at these up. women they have to yeah it's like oh how do we represent women here okay well, they're going to be um basically in hijabs and yelling in their native tongue and calling this person the savior and i was just like okay that's a that's a you know that's one way to portray it i guess <laughs> i'm interested to see the reaction to part two now because i'm kind of i'm really wondering where it ends maybe it'll be zendaya she rises up and then well, there was that, the there was that comment from one of the producers or something that said they wanted to shoot part two from Zendaya's character's perspective, which was interesting. That'll be a very okay. Halo Two move. Well, um, considering considering where the where the story goes, it would be a very interesting choice to do that. I could kind of respect it. 
hey, that that might be cool. Yeah. Hmm. That would be cool, actually. And give some some understanding to these people instead of just treating them as like, okay, these are the people we have to save. Mm. Like, literally, that is the plot of this movie. It's like, we have to save these people. Yeah. We are... We have to save them from the other white people, but we're the good white people. We're still gonna subjugate you, but we're gonna uh, we're gonna use you for your resources and everything. But we're not gonna kill you. We're not gonna. Yes, that's just kind of like you know. Do you is want us or do you want the other ones? It's <laughs> like is that oh, not the one. Is that not the point of the story, or is it not come off that way? Uh, I don't want to spoil it. There's, is yeah, it's. F- I guess yeah. The Freemen have an interesting role in Dune's story. Okay. Yeah. Whereas in this, they don't like they they in the movie they don't they just kind of like they're like a MacGuffin in a way. I mean, like they the were whole, in the book too yeah. to, to a degree. They just they were a bit more fleshed out. Yeah, but the thing is that book was written in 1980, like in the early 80s or late 70s when he was writing it, right? Like, you know, th- like the the cultural discourse and the understanding of peoples were very different back then. You know what I mean? Like he would have been, Frank Herbert would have been a kid when, you know, rampant racism was happening, you know, race rights and stuff was happening, right? So actually, no, he probably would have been in his 20s when that was all happening, like civil rights, uh, as well as like, you know, the kind of British criticizing the immigration of Pakistanis and people from Southeast Asia into England and stuff. So like it, it was a very different time when that was written versus now, mm. um, which uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Well, I'm interested. Like, um, he's on board. I guess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a sucker for it. I'll probably watch it in IMAX the the second part just because I'm a like visually it's 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 so like really well shot and everything like that. And I was just sitting there, I was like, man, this looks this water looks really good. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> look look at the my wife is just like. Oh, you're such a nerd. Bro. Can you just enjoy the movie? I'm like, look at this visual effects. Like, I'm just thinking about like you know, like you know, ragdoll physics from like Lord of the Rings versus now. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to I'm um, playing Halo Infinite's campaign this week. Tomorrow, it's like, like kind of, is it tomorrow? Well, is no. it tomorrow in the US and the ninth over here? I don't know how it really works, but because I just checked um, Game Pass on my computer. And it said the eighth. Oh, and it unlocks yeah, tomorrow. It, it said the oh, eighth, yeah. but I don't trust it, like at all, because oh, Halo Infinite's okay. release date is not trustworthy. <laughs> That's actually true, because I was like, "Yeah, I've got to preload." Like, oh that, yeah, eighth of December. Nah, ninth, bro. That, no, no, we never said the eighth. Ah, <laughs> true, true. Um, but John, sorry, I've been, uh, I've been complaining too much about movies. <laughs> How about uh? Uh, you've had the chance to play a couple of games. What, what have you played? Yeah, it's like, it's like, unlike the last four podcasts, I've actually played video games this time. <laughs> so, um, I played. I won't go into one of them. I'll just go into one. It's like um, I've been playing Splunky Two a lot the last few days because, like, I've been meaning to because I played the first one a lot and like got like I beat it on hell, like beat the hell level, like I beat like you know the end end version of that game. Yeah. Um, though I never got like incredible at it, but, um, anyway, but I was like, I, you know, I, I think of myself as like well-versed in the first game and the second game feels like it's made for me <laughs> as a player, as like someone who has played the first game a lot and expects you to have that That's sort of start. knowledge and skill and like good. to bring it to the next one, which is like, it's kind of rare to see that in games. Like they don't happen very often. 
um mm. for good reason really <laughs> but it's like it's I, i'm not minding it it's 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 very um it's very frustrating so far even as someone who's not bad at it um <laughs> I, maybe it's just because i'm impatient now as well because i got like you know good enough at the first one that i could speed through good portions of it and now i'm kind mm. of bringing in that impatience that's what it feels like but i'm not sure but it's like so far like uh uh-huh, gotcha um, but I haven't made it very like far either, so I can't talk much on it. I know it gets straight, like I know it gets uh, more distant from the first game mm-hmm. the further it goes in. Yeah. Like right now, it feels like a ROM hack of the first game in some ways. Like it's like the you know first level, like the first section of level, like first uh, you know, like biome is like four levels yeah. that are procedurally generated, um, and it's like it, that's like it's pretty much the same as the first game except they add in like three new enemies and like a few new elements to it otherwise it's like the same but those new elements are like they really chip away at you so you barely get any further than you would otherwise like in the first game so it's um it's yeah so i don't have much to say about it other than it's i'm having a hard time with it (laughs) but is that what you wanted kind of i don't know i'm not in like the first game is like i I i'm enjoying the process that's the same as the first game of like dying over and over again and like learning and experimenting with how you know mechanics interact with one another and stuff like that and it's mm. um but i'm not getting very far at all so it ends up feeling more yeah. frustrating like the <laughs> the sense of frustration is like offsetting my sense of like but not in a good growth way. and like progression oh, okay. in the game compared to the first one where you can so you can make a good way in like just by kind of playing it safe or like using shortcuts, which admittedly I haven't been using, so that's my yeah. fault. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. I'll have more to say on it in next week, maybe, because I'll keep playing it. <laughs> but um, <laughs> is it yeah. uh, is it like <clears throat> like when Ori in the Blind Forest came out, and then Ori in the Will of the Wisp? <clears throat> uh, like when when people looking at reviews, they said, well, Ori in the Will of the Wisps it starts like the difficulty and the mechanics start where the first game ends rather than starting you on an easier level and then you level up again. Is that is that similar to this um, in terms of where you start and the difficulty kind of, Yeah, kind of sounds it. Like, because Spelunky, it's like what you're kind of getting used to and learning is like all the ingredients that make up its like generation system. So you kind of, and mm-hmm. how they get placed within a level so like you're kind of understanding you're like memorizing more and more of the game over time and this one kind of builds on that memorization and kind of messes with you in like a small ways but otherwise just adds okay. whole new elements into it so it ends yeah. up i don't know i'm kind of curious how new players would approach it because it's definitely harder but I, I could see new players having an easier time with it in certain ways because i'm i don't know maybe i'm just proud <laughs> and like not letting myself get further <laughs> into it in some ways but fair enough uh anyway no yeah. i'm enjoying it it's it's oh yeah that's something because i'm playing on my switch i played the first one ton on my vita that's a nice upgrade <laughs> just Ooh. a bigger screen though it's still got the nubby analog sticks so that's kind of yeah yeah good and bad because i'm used like to them. the fake <laughs> uh the fake analog sticks like that kind of uh touch like the kind of the nub thing right yeah nubs that's a good way to describe them <laughs> <laughs> not not very sticky. Um, I wonder what you think playing it on a pro controller. If that would like be more responsive. Uh, actually, curious. Well, I, like I'm kind of afraid. Well, not afraid to, but I don't really want to because on handheld the latency is so low. 
and the game that in that kind of game it's kind of i'm not sure how important it is but i'd, I'd rather mm. not have the latency so and i like being able wow. to just pick it up and play it like because i play it on my desk he, a lot so it's just kind of that kind of game is, this is pro level here like not even <laughs> a wireless controller he needs he's instant latency i love it i barely I, well, I need the late like <laughs> i need all any advantage <laughs> the I can MLG get. I'm not, <laughs> true no input lag on the on a TV or a monitor and everything. You know what? It kind of makes sense, actually. I'm dying if enough. You wanna... <laughs> uh, Ty, you've had the. You've been playing some uh, Shin Megami. Indeed, Please. some Shin, Shin Megami Tensei Five. It's um, it's nice Not to Shin have... Megami TV. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, so written it out. <laughs> it's 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 nice to have Atlas. You know, release a Shin Megami Tensei game. It's, that's yeah. nice. It's um, Persona was getting a bit. How you going? With the amount yeah. of Persona material they release, and it's nice. So it's nice to go back to context, basics. So for context, Shin Megami Tensei is the the main up JRPG series that started on the I think the PS One. Yeah. Um, and the Persona series was a spin off of that, right? Yeah, it was a. It was um spin-off what was it Shin Megami Tensei If or something it was in a high school and then they were like hey people like high schools let's do this Persona yeah. thing we'll have like Shin Megami Jojo's because that's what it is essentially and um oh Jesus like, as in like Jojo's Bizarre yeah that's like basically that? what Persona okay. is it's based that's yeah, like if Persona 4 is literally part 4 of Jojo's um <laughs> Like I never it, thought of that. And it literally is. It is like it's the <laughs> it's the exact same plot with the exact same thing, but yeah. some key differences. But that's yeah, not a bad right. thing. That's not a bad thing. Persona's fine, but it was nice to go back to basics and have them just be all like, "Oh yeah, this was a series where we kill God. Like, let's do that. Like, let's have fun with it." You just like go back to basics and then say you get this series where you go to kill God. It's, it's Japanese <laughs> you know? media, bro. Like, don't ask questions. Yeah. Just roll with it. <laughs> But no, it's um, it's it's fun. The difficulty oh, and everything's back, which Gami. is nice. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, is that is I meant to represent God? Oh, okay. Fair enough. But um, right. no, it's good because you know, like um, it's oh, it's nice shit, to go back to a death. time where Atlas was like, because Shin Megami Tensei is notoriously hard. It's not. I wouldn't yeah. say it's unfairly hard. It can be a bit how you going in the earlier ones, but this one, it's nice. It's yeah. nice to have a challenge again. It's nice to have because. So, uh, sorry, no, sorry. no, all good. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say Shin Megami Tensei Four was recently remastered on three. Switch, right? Three was. Uh, there was number three. Yeah. Okay. So then, was number four on PS3 or was that on like PS3? Number four was on DS. Wow. Because See, I knew because, there was a DS somewhere. Because Nocturne, sure. which was three, sold like so much, and Persona sold all of that. So they were like, yeah, yeah, Persona. I guess we're doing this now and everyone was like oh yeah. I guess we won't do okay fine we won't play games we we do this cool we'll just do the anime thing yeah like <laughs> uh, like 4 is the only one I've played cuz mm. like it's so uncomfortable on 3DS <laughs> yeah 4 4 is weird yeah, as a Shin Megami Tensei game too right. yeah mm. cuz I, I remember covering I remember like writing about it in double jump and be like I was like holy shit they're making another one of these I thought they're just like <laughs> Persona just like was the only thing that anyone cared about, but I guess well it is. It makes sense. Did you see the reaction to the announcement for the remaster of three? People were not happy. I mean, people like me were happy, but the general yeah, like, general public were why like, "Why are you wasting time on yeah. this and not making a new Persona?" They were like, "What is this Shin Megami nonsense? Where is Persona and other things?" And I'm like, okay, all right, fine. 
Oh my god, you're like, where's the, where's the fucking persona? What is this Shin Megami? Oh my god, Persona 5 on Switch when? Like, j- shut up. Oh my god, man, it's like JoJo's, but it's like on like a game. It's like awesome. Oh my god, look, you can get waifus. You can't do that in Shin Megami Tensei. Oh my god. Oh my god, man. Where is the... It's like the IGN review for Shin Megami Tensei, where they're like, it's like the edgy brother, edgy little brother of Persona 5, and you can't spend time with classmates. I'm like, bro, do you know what this is? Like... Yeah. What did you Completely think the reviewer, I guess that's what happens when... But, like, if you kind of think about it, right? Like, um, if you're... Say you're in your early 20s mm-hmm. now. Like, Persona's been the dominant Atlas game for the last, like... Since, like, 2008, whenever Persona 3 came out. Like, that Early was a pretty that, late yeah. PS2 game. Yeah, or, or, like, 2007 or something, right? So, I guess if that reviewer came from persona being like the mainline series and then thinking this is like some weird offshoot or whatever well i mean that's I can how i see got where that it. comes i came i came into yeah. it from persona i didn't i didn't get around mm. to nocturne until way later and other shimagami tensei games but like you can it, it's not so much understanding which one comes first it's just understanding that they're different they're different which is what yep. yeah I, I don't understand how people can't get their heads around that like okay Shin Megami yeah. tensei 5 is, starts in a high school which is very persona and not very Shin Megami, but like if you didn't see where it was going coming like do you know what Shin Megami Tensei is I don't know and like have an open mind <laughs> like be willing to yeah uh, like try something different that isn't all about relationship management and like skipping school <laughs> <laughs> yeah just have fun like that, with it you know what yeah. I mean like it's been a long time since, I don't mm. think I think a lot of people like myself I bought a Switch when they announced Shin Megami Tensei 5 and then I just conceded, wow. but then I just conceded it was never coming out because that was like what four years ago now, five years ago. It was a while, yeah. Yeah, I just conceded it was never coming because they were like, "Here, have dancing spin-offs, Persona." <laughs> I'm not, yeah, sure, cool. That's what everyone's asking for. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, I think they sell well anyway. They do. Anything. And was there, and there anything was a fighting game, right? Didn't yeah, there, like there was. Game? There was a three. I think it was Persona Three Cross Four. Three and or something. F- yeah. Yeah, three and four characters basically. Yeah. And like technically, only one character I think in that whole series is like a fighter, and that was like um, oh, I forget her name. It was the girl from number three. I think she's the one who was like super into wrestling and all that stuff. But there was, that was oh, that was four. But there was a is that four? yeah, but in oh, three, yeah. Uh, I think what's his name, Akihiko was a boxer. So that might count. Well, there you go. We've got two characters in yeah. that roster. Who but everybody, everybody else in Persona Three is just really depressed. So I wouldn't count them as like <laughs> boxers. <laughs> oh, just God. walking around I, I, like uh, doing the whole like with the fringes just like oh my life's so hard it's teen <laughs> angst like, it's not what those yeah it's just teen angst the game yeah. except developed by 30 year olds like 30 something year old Japanese like hey man they get the angst and the soundtrack's killer they, so who cares exactly that's true they probably haven't grown out of that angst they just went straight into the workforce let's be honest <laughs> that's what it seems like over there uh, well that's uh, that's going to do it for what we've been playing slash watching for the past couple of weeks. Um, John, we had uh, Edward write another awesome article for us. Can you tell us what he wrote about? Yeah, so um, our latest um, output at Double Jump from Edward is um, taking on Super Mario Party's Master Mode Challenge. So it basically just runs through the... Um, of the last... Uh, was it? Oh, yeah, Super Mario Party. Yeah, because the next one is like the nostalgia one. <laughs> the one with all the 64 yeah. tables. Um, this one's the one before <laughs> that, also on Switch. Um, there's a master level CPU you can lo- unlock. 
Um, I'm not sure. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because Edward wasn't super sure on how it works either. And I don't think the internet was when I had to look it up. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, basically, I don't know. It's a, it's a short article, kind of runs through like what the master CPU is, how it works. Is it actually hard? Not really. <laughs> it just seems fucking unfair. Like, it just seems like the the um, odds are stacked against you even more than normal. <laughs> well, I think Edward's very good at it. So <laughs> uh, he didn't seem to have much trouble with it. But yeah, just a short little, you know, nice article. Go read it if you're interested. Because I found it kind of interesting, actually, because I don't play many of these games really ever. So it's kind of curious yeah. to hear that, that it's got like an unlockable CPU mode, which is disappointing from sounds of it, but it's a cool idea. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's one of those things that always pass me by, but um yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to to see what like hardcore Mario Party fans think about if they agree or not cuz yeah, it definitely has a following. It's um yeah, it's uh, definitely something that like has been around for so long. You I can imagine like how scary is it that like parents now could be t- like showing their kids I guess even grandkids, because, like, if you were in your 30s when that came out, in, like, 98, right? Like, say you were, like, 29 slash 30 in 1998, you were born in 1968, 1969, you could potentially be a grandparent now and be showing your, your you know, your five-year-old grandchild Mario Party. So, I wonder, like, uh, I was fascinated. I was, yeah, anyway, I'll just... Stop making this feel hard, bro. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to leave that now. Anyway. I'm not about, 30 uh, yet, damn it. oh god anyway that's uh definitely check it out um if you're a fan of quirky i guess quirky video game kind of features or kind of things that like kind of spice things up like it's even if you don't play mario party it's always great to see how kind of developers implement it so yeah check out edward edward's article right now So that's what uh, was on Double Jump this past week. How about we move on to the news from this past, I guess, couple of weeks since we missed last week's uh, episode. John, seems like Sony is uh, trying to, you know, do a, a pull of Microsoft and and create something similar to Game Pass. So yeah, it's interesting. I'm very curious about how this turns out. Yeah, not too much information for now. Um, so it's supported by... Um, Jason Schreier, I think it's this. Yep. Yep. Um, code, it's um, from Bloomberg, so it is codenamed currently Spartacus. Um, it's scheduled for a launch in autumn 2022. So autumn in the US or here? Yep. Yeah, our autumn. Okay. So fall in the US. Oh, sorry, spring in the US. Autumn for us. Okay. So, so like soon-ish. around March to March to May. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So as it's reported, it will be similar to Game Pass Ultimate. Um, this new service will combine PlayStation Now, which is the streaming slash Game Pass-ish mm-hmm. service that's available everywhere but here, um, and <laughs> PlayStation Plus, um, which is you know online play plus a handful of games every month. Um, it'll yep. s- turn that into a single subscription. Um, it'll keep the PlayStation Plus name, but PlayStation Now will be retired as a title. Um, yeah, so this is... Yeah, yeah so... Like, reading through the details... Oh, that's another important point. Um, apparently, it won't have any first-party day one titles like Microsoft does. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, to to me, kind of makes it sound like it's going to be more of a mid-tier sort of 
yeah. Game Passy. So it's like it's going to be like Game Pass Ultimate, probably be a little cheaper, maybe, maybe not. I hope so. <laughs> um, you yeah, you would think yeah. so. You think it'd be cheaper? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I feel like places have made mistakes mm. like that in the past. But um, yeah, if it's got uh, multiplayer play as well, then I'm sure it'll be competitive. Um, mm. But it, mm. um, yeah, it's like without the day one launches. It feels yeah. like it's fits somewhere in the middle of like rather it feels like it's shoring up PlayStation's dominance in the marketplace mm. rather than trying to compete with Game Pass directly. I mean it is. And but... I get, yeah. And I, I guess it kind of like it's disappointing that like first party PlayStation games won't be like on their day one because like that's kind of the thing that's it's the feather in Sony's cap is like over the PS4 think about, you know, um like Horizon, uh, then you had like Spider Man, then you had the new God of War. Like those were, uh, and Uncharted Four as well. Like those were kind of like really large releases. That, like, that's the thing that um, Sony does really well is securing those big kind of tentpole exclusive games. Yeah. Whereas like Microsoft, like truth be told, like we've had Gears Five on. Actually, no, I think that was in. I think that was in the previous gen. Like, that was an Xbox One X game. So, yeah, I think Halo Infinite is... Halo Infinite and Forza, 5, Forza Horizon 5 are probably, like, the biggest releases on it so far besides Microsoft Flight Simulator. And all of those games are on other, like, Microsoft consoles as well as PC. So, I guess, like, do you think Sony could be justified in, say, say for example, charging the exact same price which I think is about 16 bucks Australian a month, but not have day one no. Sony games? Yeah? No, absolutely not. I think um, when it comes to things like the PC market and everything as well, mm. um, and the way Microsoft's treated it and Sony playing slow catch-up with it, I yeah. don't think they can really justify it in the same way. Because if it's the yeah. same price and you're not getting the day one, the day one games, I mean, you might as well just get Game Pass. Uh, you mean if that's an option for you but yeah yeah it's yeah. obviously not for people without a playstation i think it's yeah. like i think the difference is that like game pass went day one titles because microsoft had such a like or at least it, it hadn't established the same reputation playstation has with the market yeah. like you know yeah like playstation is like so done such a good job of um yeah it's just developed such a good reputation with its like first party games where people will buy it full price right away so yeah. like where Microsoft and, always and Microsoft had trouble trying to get that, especially with its newer titles, like new IPs and stuff that aren't Halo or Forza. Yeah. So it's like, I see it kind of as where they kind of put their, you know, they've uh, like first party titles that have been out for like six months or a year or something, probably closer to a year because they tend to sell for a long time. And like, yeah, it's it'll like be interesting to see once Microsoft starts releasing things with their with the all the studio acquisitions they've had recently once they actually start releasing things it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens yeah exactly yeah, like i mean we covered recently that starfield <clears throat> won't be coming to playstation at launch and uh the elder scrolls 6 won't be coming to playstation at launch it'll be um like those are huge kind of gets for microsoft mm. and the thing is like microsoft's smart it knows that you know, there's potentially like a percentage of people who just forget to unsubscribe from Game Pass. <laughs> but I, I feel like Microsoft has done a really good job of positioning itself as a consumer-first 
platform, whereas Sony's kind of done a flip in a way where it's like Sony's now the like the dominant con- like console holder and people criticize Sony. Oh, you were the one holding back crossplay. You were the one who who was against backwards compatibility, you know. You know, you didn't have online like you didn't have your online as good as Microsoft for a long time, things like that. So I think it's it's interesting to see Microsoft, everyone championing Microsoft and Microsoft doing such a good job of, you know, marketing Xbox Game Pass as like a, a positive thing. And also like we talked about, it, I think last week or the week before, um, John, where everyone just says, oh, it's, yeah, it's free with Game Pass. Like, oh, yeah, it's in Game Pass. <laughs> well, I didn't pay for Halo Infinite. I will eventually, but not on launch. Yeah, yeah like the thing is like, I've got Xbox Game Pass, like I've got Game Pass Ultimate just because yeah. it was like a dollar to like sign up for a month and I'm like, well, I've got Halo. But you got right the here. same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I've got, I can play Halo for a dollar. Like, or I can play Halo. I can pay $16 for one month mm. and play all of Halo. And you know what? I can get like all these, like all these Bethesda games there, all these Yakuza mm-hmm. games and everything. Like, if and it's cross-platform. Breaking, yeah, like I'm... You know, Game Pass is actually making me think, you know what? Instead of me taking my computer and plugging it into my TV, I think I might be better off just getting an Xbox. That's literally what I've Pass, done. My saves transfer over and everything. Hmm. Like it's, it's, well, that's what like, I've done. I've got yeah. the Xbox on the TV and I've got the PC here. Like, and you could be playing the same game and then like kind of flipping. Like, hmm. like I'm literally thinking about moving my computer to the living room just to play the campaign of Halo and then I'll come back, bring it back and then play multiplayer on uh, like on like with a mouse and keyboard. But it's like, you know, there's nothing really stopping me from just like doing that when I have like an Xbox and just But know, that sums up Microsoft's there. that yeah. sums up where Microsoft's gone with everything. It's, it's that Xbox anywhere thing. Just just do what you want, guys. Here you go. Here's here's some things. Which is yeah. interest which which is clearly a response to what happened with the Xbox One initially. This is just the natural progression of trying to fix that situation. And yeah. it, it'd be interesting to see if Sony, I don't think they will, but ends up in a position similar to where Microsoft yeah. were. It won't be as yeah. severe, but... Yeah. Like, like, think about it, yeah. right? With with that Xbox Anywhere thing, so where you buy the game on one on the Xbox and you get the PC version included, or you get, you know, you subscribe to to Game Pass and you get it on either platform. Microsoft has basically created an on, always online requirement because you need to verify those digital licenses, right? So it, it's kind of, it, it's 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 gotten to, to that same endpoint, but done it in a much more consumer-friendly and kind of quiet way. It's not quite the same endpoint, though, because once you've verified that, you don't need to be online for the digital purchases, depending on what the game is. Yeah, yeah, but but that's the thing. Even with the original Xbox One, I think there was like, you know, it has to just verify it once yeah. every like 30 days or something. So I Yeah, think but you could, the, pro- like the, that, the but problem was you could never turn it off. Yeah, that was. The, yeah, I think it was the is... infamous Ang- the Angry Joe inf- inter- interview with like Major Nelson, where he's like, "Just flip the switch," and he's like, "It's not just the switch." And then they flip the switch, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and then they're like, "Okay, Connect is not in- not needed for the console." Like they did a whole bunch. They like, basically mm. when Phil Spencer came in, they're like, "All right, guys, like we get it." <laughs> it feels good, guy Phil Spencer. Oh, like I-, I feel like someone like Phil Spencer was probably. S- you know, he was still in the Xbox like leadership team, just not leading the whole division. So he would have just been screaming at them from the sidelines, just being like, "What are you doing?" 
Well, everybody <laughs> needs a Phil Spencer or a Reggie from Nintendo. Like everybody needs. Yeah. Every, they all need one, and I don't think Sony's got one at the moment. Like you know Maybe how Microsoft, Microsoft did like a twentieth anniversary of Xbox kind of like expose like and it's it did like an interactive online thing where you can go through the whole history even publish like the letter that microsoft wrote in like 1999 to buy nintendo <laughs> when nintendo wasn't doing so well and like there was a panel talking like about the history of the xbox with some of the people who were there from the beginning and guess who moderated that panel reggie fils <laughs> that's uh, cool and it's and it's um a lot of people like people like um making jokes about oh my god it's 2021 and all i'm ex- excited to do is get home play halo on my brand new xbox <laughs> uh, i feel like a kid again yeah uh, but anyway that's um yeah like it's it's good news hopefully i i see this being like a game like i don't know if playstation's announced like you know what he was it what was the thing it used to do like the playstation showcase or something like every year it was like the playstation event for players so i don't think that's uh, yeah. going to happen this year but i can see like a game game awards announcement maybe hmm, maybe especially when it's been leaked already yeah and it's only like what three months or four months away hmm. yeah, yeah roundabouts <laughs> don't worry i'm sure jim ryan's going to jump on like some some interview and like give like a very bland <laughs> response because <laughs> I'm I'm sorry, but he sucks at interviews. <laughs> <laughs> so just give me some Jeff Keighley cringe from the Game Awards, and I'll be happy. Just just give me some of that. <laughs> Inject it straight True. into me. Some Game Awards cringe. Oh, I'm really yeah. not looking forward to watching it. To be honest, <laughs> I just remember uh, how much I don't like watching it. <laughs> oh yeah, true. With yeah, all the Activision stuff, oh no. Well, the thing is, like Jeff Keighley came out and said, "Okay, Activision Blizzard's not involved in it." And he mm-hmm. said, listen, I support everyone coming out and saying and sharing their stories, but didn't stop short of, but stop short of condemning Activision Blizzard. So it's like... Like literally everybody else in the industry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, the president yeah. of Activision Blizzard is like in the advisory board or something still. <laughs> like it's not much yeah, of it. Sorry, that's... Yeah. And special guest, Donald Trump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Presenting the uh, you know equality and gaming award. Yeah, Jeffrey Epstein just walked out. <laughs> the Jeez. corpse of Jeffrey, reanimated corpse of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, turns out he was the uh, he's the silent board member in. Activision it was Blizzard. me all along. It was, a- it was me, Austin. <laughs> it's a me, Jeffrey. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Speaking of um, you know Activision and shit moves and tone deaf moves so uh this report uh came uh, i guess from one of the community um like one of the community managers for call of duty by the name of austin o'brien so last week he tweeted that uh some of his friends at raven software so raven software has been a long time activision studio like has been working on call of duty multiplayer for a long time um and, and I think also Zombies, and now is, most people might know it now as the lead developer on Call of Duty Warzone, which is the free-to-play Battle Royale, kind of like super, super huge spin-off of Call of Duty. And he tweeted that um, his, quote, friends in Q8 Raven were promised four months that Activision was working, was working towards a pay restructure to increase their wages, um, 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because he he says that these people have now been since called into meetings one by one, and and being told basically whether or not they have a future at the company or at Raven, and that they've got until the twenty eighth of January is when they'll be is when like that last day their last day will be, uh, and he pointed out that a few of these people have already been have already moved you know across the country to to work in Madison, Wisconsin, which is where Raven is based. Um, so Kotaku verified this claim later on and, and, and kind of spoke to one of the sources and, and, and the, the kind of the, the key takeaways that, uh, like to be said is that Activision promised a, a, a few things that would happen to these QA, so quality assurance testers. They're the people who play, play games, check for bugs, um, f- identify issues and, work with like kind of the development team to give feedback and things like that so they're, they're the ones who play all the the buggy versions of games before they go live uh ideally <laughs> in the case cool. of battlefield i guess they didn't hire any of those people but anyway could use a few could use a few more <laughs> of them in the modern landscape of gaming yeah i, I i'm a qa tester but i actually pl- played to pay that <laughs> i paid to play that game that's how it works apparently nowadays but yeah so these were some of the promises so number one would be that Activision promised that it would take on some of these contract testers from Raven Software within its own company. Number two is that it would actually hire some of these people at as permanent staff members at Raven Software. Number three, um, that uh, the the vast majority of people would be out of work. Um, it's just kind of the it's the unfortunate kind of reality of the way it works when it comes to large scale media projects. They bring on a lot of quality assurance people towards the you know towards the launch of a game to do a lot of like the last like day one patch kind of fixes and everything and then they a lot of them do get let go but what's really shitty here is that you know the, like th- that promise of stability that promise of reward and that they would be given a pay rise you know going from $17 an hour US to 18.50 an hour like it's not much but it's still like a promised increase uh, alongside quote improved benefits and quarterly bonuses so like it, it's it's especially shitty knowing the culture at activision blizzard and i guess activision as an extension of that and now raven software getting roped into this like like activision already has like kind of the reputation of being kind of anti-worker anti-union but this this is not helping at all like John, what 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 did you what did you think when you saw this? Um, I actually missed the first. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking up something because um, as a follow up to this news, um, the devs have yeah. actually staged a walkout um, yesterday. Hell yeah! Um, I Good think, on them. I think it's already. Fuck yeah! I'm not sure if it's over or not. I've been trying to look it up as you've been talking, and I haven't been able to. Follow. Yeah. Um, I think it's. I think Activision have responded, like, because the main promise or the main goal of the walkout was um, to try and get like full-time jobs for everyone all the qa testers yeah. um i think you know i know like, we should follow this up later because i like when warzone brings in billions of dollars of revenue a year like i mean when uh, you're activision uh, money's yeah. not a problem yeah exactly like hmm. activision like this is the worst time like this is like it's like shit it's like a it's like a a round turd in the shape of a cherry on a shit sandwich like a shit cake like what what is activision doing right now like what is the like even from a okay even from a pr point of view like why even make this 
a thing that's happening now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I, I think they've got so much bad. I think, I think they've got already got so much bad PR. They just kind of like sneak it in, like because people won't pay attention to it. I've, I think it's uh, it's not a good good comparison, but I'm thinking about it a lot with like with wrestling and WWE. They've been like yeah. cutting a lot of people up, like letting people uh. go, and they've been doing it in like waves, and they tend to do it. I don't know. It, it tends to be kind of like an avalanche where they kind of sneak in stuff, like certain like you know yeah. these kind of and making like, bizarre uh, choices of that. This kind of um, news, I guess, <laughs> like just releasing people yeah. and like it, you know people that don't don't no, need the to wrestling be, like, one's a good. It's a good comparison. The wrestling one. Yeah, it's, it's if very you follow yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's very callous and like inhumane. It doesn't really treat people like you know people. And gaming has yeah. had a lot of history of that as well. So and you know it's just like with Activision last like you know since July I guess just keep hearing it over and over again. Yeah, and it's just like and I, and I hate the defense of oh you're working in a in an industry that you love like you have a passion for it so why are you complaining like I don't, I don't like that defense like just because you grew up watching WWE and you love wrestling doesn't mean you should be treated like you should accept a certain way of being treated. Well, it's at the end of the day, it's like, hey man, like yeah, I like it, but work is work, yeah? Yeah. You know, just because I love doing it, it's not going to pay the bills. Unfortunately, if this wasn't happening, like, with all the other stuff happening at Activision Blizzard, like, this story wouldn't have been, like, a big story because these things happen all the time and it's just kind of accepted, but it shouldn't be like that, especially for a company as big as Activision. Um, you know, you, sh- you shouldn't lure in people with the promise of something knowing that you're not going to fulfill that promise. Well, I, I think part of the reason we did hear about it was because um, of, like, you know, just worker action. Like, because I, I, like, yeah. trying to look up this, like, walkout, like, the one the group that organized it was a group that come up has come up before when we've reported this stuff. ABK? was a, Yeah, like a better... Mm. Um, ABK, yeah. Blizzard like, King. Yeah, so that's, like, a workers' alliance. And, like, they're, you know, yeah. they're the one, like, signal boosting this sort of news over and over again. Mm. And like trying to you know generate action, to and, um, you know they're just kind of. It's like it's establishing like a community within these developers, like and with Activision, it's just kind of. Um, you know, I guess it just kind of keeps happening, so we keep hearing about it, and it's yeah. like this group that's make been responsible for making sure we do hear about it, and we do kind of know the details of it and the extent of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like I kind of lost my point there somewhere, but it's. Um, <laughs> but the point was unions are good. Yeah, yeah. And and John, it seems like we're finally getting some movement down under in terms of like unionization in our industry. Finally. Yeah, um, we um, we will have a dedicated union for the Australian game industry. In um, it doesn't have a dedic- like a specific date when it will happen, but um, mm. yeah. So this will. Um, <laughs> I'm reading it as we're talking. Um, Game, is, Game Workers Unite Australia. Um, they're a body that's been like a advisory and support organization in Australia. Um, they'll yeah. be transitioning from that kind of organization as a support organization to a full-blown union um, sometime yeah. in, I think, it sounds like the next year. It sounds like I don't, they, have, yeah. they don't have a next uh, firm date for when it will happen. Um, previously, the GWUA um, has, quote, has been, um, quote, supporting and empowering workers to build a better games industry, end quote. Mm. Um, so they provide information and assistance to anyone wanting to join a union. And, um, yeah, so it's kind of a natural extension from the kind of work they did already. Um, yeah. So, 
yeah so as um part of this the G people um uh, yeah so as a full-blown union the gwa will now be able to quote take legal action to defend our members against underpayments discrimination and bullying organize collective agreements at workplaces and lobby governments and industry on an equal playing field with studio owners and publishers end quote so yeah. um yeah it's kind of it feels like a good like kind of like uh what's the phrase like it's like it feels like another shoe to fall when it comes to like after like tax breaks being announced earlier this year it's like it feels like a good yeah. like second major step for like growing the industry in a positive way um yeah so yeah, yeah. and it's and it's good like you know having that formal like it, it's it's also great timing because like i mean the federal government announcing that 30% kind of tax offset bonus for, to attract foreign game development, you know, it's all well and, well and good when foreign companies come in and invest in a w- your local workforce, but you also don't want to set the scene for exploitation of your local workforce. That's not going to help anyone either. So I think getting ahead of it is, is great. Uh, like it's, it's, it's crazy that it's taken this long, but better late than ever, <laughs> I think. Maybe there just wasn't as much of a community here for a long time. I mean, I know we have, we've had a lot big developers before, but yeah, yeah, no, like, that's it. I think that'd be the crux of it. For the most part, yeah. it hasn't really been that big an industry here. Yeah, and it hasn't been like worker treatment in Australia. Like, hasn't been an issue since like you know Team Bondi when La Noir was being developed here, oh, yeah. and then uh, which became like kind of Two K Australia. So I guess that was the last time like there was any like kind of major coverage in terms of you know employee conditions here. So I guess with everything that's going on around the world like there is a momentum in terms of you know more awareness about how people are treated within the games industry. Um so I guess you know what let's let's get behind them and and see what happens. I I really hope that it you know <laughs> really hope that it like actually can do something and and gets off the ground well well now's as good as time as any to go for it too you see across the world with all other industries and everything everybody's getting on board with it yeah exactly feels like it was coming for a long time (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah my only like worry is that it might like i hope it doesn't um like prevent any or like or you know stymie growth here just because that that tends to be how corporations act but, um, oh, they love to act. That's what they yes. love. Let's uh, be honest. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's, but it's good. Otherwise, <laughs> only positive things. It, it's really, it was yeah. really like it's not something I've ever. I don't think I've ever thought of it. Is like Australia having a game union just because I, I, we're so rarely relevant. I think. Mm. Um, yeah. But you know, but that's been changing for the last few years or so. But um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just. It's just very nice to read that. And it's like, oh, good. It's like I won't have to worry about that here. Or at least, you know, <laughs> theoretically. Yeah, yeah. Well, this next story is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a downer again. It's a bit of a roller coaster ride today. But this one, it's it's a it, it's not so much a downer as it is. It's a it's just disappointing and frankly annoying. So, last week, uh, Take Two Interactive, uh, the parent company of Rockstar Games, uh, basically came out and filed a trademark claim on the phrase take two or it basically for it takes two the game from Hazelight, the you know the the cooperative uh like the co-op game are for it's like it's from the guys from Hazelight, which made um a way out 
which is a couple of years ago, and is uh, led by Joseph Fares, who people might know as the f- like fuck Hollywood guy from the Game Awards <laughs> a couple of years ago, um, and also <laughs> for making uh, uh, what was it called, Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons, uh, you know, back in the 360, I think, or yeah, I think that was a 360. Yeah, so 360. There's a, it's it's a bit frustrating that you know. Take two. This mega company comes after Hazelight, you know, and says, "No, nah, we we're claiming that we're claiming the trademark for it takes two, just because it has the phrase take two in there somewhere." And this is especially disappointing because, like, given how common the the phrase is, like, Hazelight has had to abandon its trademark for the game, and is is basically a rep when asked by Eurogamer, has uh, just said, quote, that we're hopeful that the issue will be resolved. Like, it is... Like, it's just sad that you even have to do this. And it's it's not clear yet whether or not Hazelight and EA have to change the name of the game because it takes to kind of make sense, like, in terms of, like, how people use that phrase. Like, it's it's a really apt title for the game. Um, I think... Uh, mum and dad don't break up work together simulator doesn't quite roll off the tongue (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean Um, like yeah it'll be interesting to see and uh, it takes two is just a a, like the latest victim in in, I guess in in a long streak of trademark and copyright claims from take two Uh, so this is like there was a um, like even like uh, yeah, because like looking at the article, like even uh, a com- a Chinese company had the word Star Rocks in it, um, which uh, like you know that I guess is similar to Rockstar, which it's not even spelt the same way or anything. Uh, there's a clothing brand called Max Fane that also copped it as well. Uh, pretty much like anyone who uses Rockstar in their like their name as like don't forget the modding community too for all the GTA oh, games. Fucking hell, yes. To the yes. definitive, the, the definitive edition the de- releases. Yeah, the, the emphasis on the D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just like even like when I when I read about the axe throwing company in like Miami, Florida, or wherever it was in the US. Like called uh, Rockstar Axe Throwing. Like even coming after them. Like what? Like, c- like come on. Like, do you really have to? Like, uh, I understand when like a company like Take Two has to. It's like when Nintendo has to get ahead of people using copyrighted assets because it sets a precedent in court. But that makes sense when it comes to like you know modding. It makes sense when it's like you know you're stealing assets and stuff like that or whatever. But not when people are just named something similar or like just happen to have a name that... But even with the modding, like you're, used, you're not doing anything untoward. You're just taking what's already exi- what's already there and just tweaking it tweaking it to do whatever yeah. it is you want. So like you want San Andreas to look pretty, you make it look pretty. You bought the yeah. game, you can do what you want with it. But that's the thing in the US, they don't have that. It's, it's like they're, they're literally fighting for the right to repair right now hmm. in the US whereas in Australia like that's why you know like even going back to like the PlayStation modifying your console putting a mod chip in it and stuff isn't illegal uh, like having one isn't illegal it's actually technically hmm. I think it was technically illegal to sell it so it was like you could actually have it modded and stuff you wouldn't get in trouble yeah. but potentially the shops or whatever did it's because um, we believe that it's your right 
you own the thing you can modify it how you see fit but it's like emulation really um yeah it's not illegal to run an emulator it is illegal to pirate something to run on that emulator yeah is a good way but to look you, at it yeah but it, um, if you can prove you own the game but even with yeah. that was that actually ever verified <laughs> was it just something that people wrote on the internet to justify <laughs> you know what i mean like i never actually i have no idea if that has like legal like bearing anyway. i don't i don't <laughs> think there's been a precedent set which is why it'll make the outcome of this court case with the modders interesting as yeah. well as well as um the one against it takes two because yeah. they are precedent setting yeah and this is not like this is pretty much the like less than a month after you know take two surprise cancelled its fifty three million dollar project at uh, Hangar thirteen, which is the studio behind Mafia three, and a lot of the employees like I think most of the employees had no notice. It wasn't until the article was about to go live that they were told that oh by the way uh, team meeting uh, we're going to find out where you're going. And if it's a like that Zoom call that was on the news today. I don't know if either of you saw it where the oh, guy right. laid off nine hundred employees or something uh, in a Zoom yeah. call. Holy just like, oh shit. yeah thanks guys yeah cool okay oh yeah by the way if you're on the call you've been terminated effective immediately laters yeah and like on did and on the oh, call he was like what? complaining about like you know you're taking my time you're yeah. stealing my money it's like all that you know cartoonish and at the end when at the this? end just drops the bomb mm. ah better health or something was the name of the company don't Fucking quote me on it. it's not Please better don't. mental health yeah, it was something like Fuck. that. Yeah, definitely had like wow. better. I don't remember yeah. quite what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I don't know what's better. <laughs> I think they have to change their name now. I think. I think it ta- I think take two needs to come after them for something. Jesus. Just take two have a claim to uh, like. Like really, uh, like sad video game projects or like, uh, sad excuses for money. I think that. I mean, Definitive Edition, I think, has that copyright. I think it's I'm going to sue you, and you're going to pay in shark cards, all right? You're going to pay, <laughs> <laughs> pay me in blurry textures, all right? You're going to pay me, <laughs> you're gonna pay me in the man hours it'll take to fix my games. That's that's how you're going to pay me. <laughs> like, oh, like the, the, the thing that really frustrated me about that stuff was, like, Take-Two actively took down, like, game the original games from the storefronts like mm. within like 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 a week before this came out, right? Like it was like, it was like you know not be- too long, right? You know the best part about that too is those original PC releases and original like PC specifically anyway. Yeah, those original you do need to mod them for them just to run correctly. Yeah, which is hilarious. Yeah, and like, like I think they're, they're actively suing modders. They've recently put them back up that you can get them on the Rockstar Store if you buy the definitive edition, but you can't play them because they're taking down mods left, right, and center. Yeah, because like I think I think like a few years ago when Rockstar came to Steam, I think it was just like, okay, what's the bare minimum work we can do to just get this to run, but yeah. not run well? <laughs> like they like uh, GTA Three and Vice City barely work on PC. Yeah, yeah, Vice City. San Andreas work on mine kind of does. <laughs> yeah, San and- I tried to get San Andreas running on mine, and it kind of works if I cap it to thirty FPS. Okay, so technically, so what I'm hearing is that. These definitive editions were actually <clears> better <throat> editions because they could actually open. So, yes, so they what's run, the problem? Problem solved. They run, <laughs> but there's everything else. <laughs> yeah. 
they run, but um, it's like you gotta you, you gotta go into the menu and then click untick the Vaseline option and and untick the shitty effects option and then and then uh, like I don't know why they default to that like that's something that they should have really fixed in the day one patch, but you know, it, it must be a rockstar well, this thing. This is what happens. This is what happens when you take mobile ports of a game, run them through an AI upscaler, and then just charge people money for it. Yeah, and just make <laughs> no effort. We, we stick to the realm of take two, and uh, I guess we'll flip over to the 2K side of things there at take two. Inter I think, I'm pretty sure take two does own 2K. Yeah, because I think that's like the other label that's underneath take two. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I have a feeling it was. Unless it's been embraced. Have I missed something? <laughs> uh, yeah, they own 2K games. Yeah, of course they do. Of course 2K, they do. They wholly own 2K and Rockstar. Yeah, so from one, I don't know, like, I, I can't even think of a segue, it's just, I'm just annoyed at Take-Two right now, so I don't even want to give it any, any further credit, but I guess uh, the, the, the last story was that there's been a new Bioshock, uh, so some details about the new, like, upcoming unannounced Bioshock game is, uh, ha has surfaced, and uh, this comes from a former IGN journalist turned, like, independent pundit slash PlayStation podcast host Colin Moriarty. So uh, speaking on his Sacred Symbols podcast, I think it was like late last week, um, he he said that he's been, sources have told him that the, the upcoming Bioshock game, so the one that ha is as yet unnamed, is set in the 1960s and set within, quote, an Antarctic city. And Video Games Chronicle followed this up and confirmed the the veracity of this claim with its own sources and apparently this uh this new bioshock is going to tie in with the narrative of the previous games and that uh the developer cloud chamber which was the studio that uh take two s and sorry 2k games set up specifically to handle bioshock going forward um is targeting a release next year um this definitely sounds like like a, a game awards announcement but mm. I'm really iffy about that 2022 release. <laughs> like I'm, I'm, yeah. If if current if if the way game, the current generation of gaming's going, I wouldn't trust release dates. Yeah. Also, like Infinite yeah. had like a bad history with that as well, if I'm remembering right. It's like that yeah. was announced mm. very early and then shown off very early, and then like two yeah. years later it was came out. But it, it feels like it's now a tale of two extremes when it comes to AAA games anyway. Yeah. You either get the cyberpunk drama or you get the infinite infinite delays. Yeah. Yeah. Or I even like um, you know, what you get with Halo Infinite where people will just like Microsoft did the thing where it's like, Okay, we, we did like an intro, we won't show it off for a couple of years and then when they show it off people s complain about the graphics, this and that. Well, okay, mm. we'll show it an a year later, people still complain. And now that the game's coming out, people are still complaining because it's a free-to-play game, but they don't feel like they're unlocking things quick enough. And it's just like... That's just modern trends in a nutshell, yeah, though. People like, are never happy. Yeah. It's... It, like, I, everyone, I everyone was saying, go back to the old progression from the Bungie games. And now that's not quite what they've done. It's kind yeah. of what they've done. And people yeah. are like, why isn't it like every other shooter? Well, well that's it, it. It is what it is. Yeah, but 
like hold hold that thought because I'll, I'll finish <laughs> off a bit more about the details on this. So, according to uh, Moriarty, this is what he said. He said, "quote It takes place in a 1960s Antarctic city called Borealis. Uh, the game is codenamed Parkside." I've been told that the development team has incredible latitude to get it right. That seems and sounds right to me. Uh, end quote. And to add to this, uh, this is not the project that Bioshock kind of co-creator Ken Levine is working on. He's actually working on a separate project with 2K. Uh, sorry, with Take-Two Interactive. Um, I dare say it'll probably be another like narrative-focused kind of like single-player game. And I think he's also tangentially involved with the people at Night Dive Studios who are working on the Bioshock, sorry, the System Shock remake, or like mm. the spiritual successor, which which the Bioshock series is kind of its own spiritual spin-off of the System Shock games. Mm. So, like, there's this game called Parkside, which is like, which will be officially branded Bioshock and will tie into the existing games. And then there's the Ken, Ken Levine project, which is probably going to be similar, but it sounds like it's going to be its own universe, its own like original IP. So that'd be interesting to uh, to yeah, see. Yeah, I, like, I think the last time we yeah. heard about Levine's project would have been years ago. I think it was about like procedurally yeah, like generated ago, stories probably. or something like that. I, I mean, that's the yeah, only that detail. Was, that, was, that was the one, yeah. yeah. That, I think it was that one. Yeah. See what it looks like when it comes out or when it's re-revealed. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea how that's going to work. Yeah, it's very hard to imagine. <laughs> like whenever something like that, like I'm just picturing like there were like maybe eight to 16 combinations of like plot, like, but it'll always go to the same arc. You know what I mean? Like maybe the characters might change or maybe the events might be in a different order. But like, if you think about it, like it, I wonder how they're going to solve the problem of creating a cohesive, satisfying story when you've got variables like that. I'd just like them to do what they wanted to do with infinite initially. And I'd be, I'd be happy. Like, I'm trying to remember what that was because I remember like when they first showed it off, like it was actually very different. They changed mm. a lot of the game, like right up. Like it changed dramatically after that like first couple of previews. Gameplay and story, anyway, changed very dramatically. Yeah, I, I think they were, yeah. like they had a lot more ambition for the um, songbird yeah. character as well. Yes, I want to say they yes. had like a lot of like AI driven <laughs> ambition like, interaction yeah. ideas. There was a lot. There was a lot of cool narrative ideas that sort of meshed with gameplay ideas that they had going that seemed really cool mm. but yeah. they That's had to scrap them for obvious reasons yeah and i remember they were being like teasing you know um like interactivity with the flashbacks and with like the melding of the 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 different universes like mm. going back and well forth. they even showed they even showed it off in like gameplay terms how that would work with you bringing things in from other dimensions and yeah, but it, <laughs> like yeah. a like the PlayStation Portable version of that game, which never happened. Or was it? The, or was it the Vita? Yeah, it was that was that a Vita. Yeah. Vita yeah. yeah, it has never happened. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Oh, I think well. like Poor I think Vita. with this one, it's like I would mostly want it to feel like because you brought up System Shock earlier. It's like yeah, mm. compared to Infinite, I want it to feel a little more like System Shock again, like the first Bioshock yeah, games gotcha. did, because those games yeah. weren't as you know. There were simplified versions of what those games were, but I'd still like yeah. you know Infinite was so much beyond. <laughs> it it was just basically a shooter, mm. so it'd be nice to bring yeah, it back like, at a, like rein it back a bit more. So, yeah. like I think Infinite traded that kind of intimate atmosphere of like you know being underwater and being in like kind of these enclosed environments and facing that terror of like trying to fight thing like for like more open spaces, more just like traditional pop and 
or stop and pop, I think they call it, where you just like hide behind cover, shoot a few things. <laughs> yes, Ty. <laughs> For the folks at home, he's uh, done an excellent. He's, he's done a, a, a Kojima level of motion. <laughs> motion acting for <laughs> shooting a gun. Um, I was actually Kiefer Sutherland in MGS5, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you, you, I think you do a better Kiefer Sutherland than him now. <laughs> um, but yeah, like... Like, I think Bioshock Infinite, like, it, it was it was definitely a novel game. Like, I don't think it's really aged that well. Like, I think people like really loved it at the time, but like once you kind of like break it down into what it is, it's it was a typical third-person shooter with like like a cool like kind of circular narrative in terms of like how you know the main character you play as is fighting against someone who actually was him in a different like you know timeline or in different universe, and that's like a cool idea. Um, and like it, it kind of ends with like promise of like you know there's infinite versions of you know, the way the story could have gone and, and had and these these different versions of these characters, but it never like there was never a follow up Bioshock to kinda of capitalise on that promise. Well there was the DLC wasn't there. I never played it, but I knew it existed. Like, the it was, like, DLC set in... was mm. uh, Okay. Like, I kinda of figured I, it like talked about it. Like a it's bit. fine. The the DLC's pretty cool, but like where it goes narratively Yeah, it's, it kind it, it kind of it kind of in a hindsight kind of ruins the original. Oh, in okay. my opinion right. I remember one of the DLC was like basically it's like a 1940s noir take on 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 Bioshock right like it was like you know Elizabeth comes in and she's like the femme mm. fatale who's charging yeah. Booker, Booker DeWitt with finding something like and then in I, I don't know what the other one was and then in part 2 you play as Elizabeth gotcha yeah but it's, it um, kinda, it's, it's, yeah. it's basically an origin story for Rapture oh okay which is not what it needed to be yeah, like, was was one of the theory like, is is Infinite meant to have taken place before the first two Bioshocks? No. Was that how like, or no, were they concurrent? Because there was always there was a light, there was still a light out. There's always, yeah, but it, I'm pretty sure it was taken after because when you do go to Rapture, the, the ending, I might be misremembering, but I'm pretty sure they're talking about how Songbird was based on. The big daddies and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how the plas- were they plasmids or whatever they're called yeah, were plasmids, based on yeah. were based on the um, I can't even remember what they're the called. But you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought the point uh, of the lighthouses was that like everything was kind of a you know it's like a multiverse sort of thing. But maybe yeah, I'm that's the, yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that was pretty much what it was. Yeah. Right. I know about you guys, but like you know, um, as soon as. Like, I'm one of those sticklers for, like, details in games. So, mm. when I... You know how, like, the Bioshock Infinite starts off, you're on the boat, you row yourself to the um, to the, uh, to the the lighthouse. Uh, I got to the door, and there's, like, a there's like a glass... Like, there's, like, a glass door. Like, there's, like, a piece of glass there, and you look at... You can see yourself in the mirror, but you don't have legs. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> like, like, I look down, and I'm like, I don't have legs. Like, this has already <laughs> taken me out of the story. So for the entire time I played that game, I was like, I can't take this... Through. I can't invest as much as I want to. Like, even Battlefield, like, 3 had legs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how am I meant to embody this character when I can't see the body? And it's not... You know what I mean? Like, I just... Uh, anyway... And it's not like I was in playing that particular like in that particular multiverse. Legs are optional. Yeah. <laughs> legs are, yeah. You know, they're like, yeah, they're always, they're always 
Elizabeths. They're always bookers, but they aren't always legs. That, that's <laughs> yeah, maybe, exactly. Maybe I missed that. I think that was like the the unannounced third deal. That was on the back of the box, being. man. What are you talking about? Dude, that was going to be in the PS Vita version. We just missed out on it, man. It was like an exclusive, you know, like that's that's the thing. Right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Poor Vita. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. And like, I still have mine somewhere. <laughs> you like should. That, it's great. That was a very... That was like I wish I had a Vita because that sounds like like phenomenal hardware for what it was, especially yeah. back in like twenty twelve or whenever it came out. You know, like a an OLED handheld with like touch haptic feedback and everything it was crazy. No, it's a super cool machine. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's so yeah. So that's Bioshock. Like, I I would be interested to see where Bioshock goes, and and I guess like with you t- like with you too, I think. I would like to see, like, the whole idea of... I would love to see, like, a city set in snow. And, like, I can't really think of many things set in the Antarctic. Uh, I know... <laughs> the last thing I know... I can th- The only thing I can think of off the top of my head is... Um, <laughs> the original Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> Which... <laughs> As you all know, is the the ultimate in in universes colliding. Like that's cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. I was like, the only other one I could think of is like um, Code Veronica for some reason. I haven't even played that's it. That's a good one. Yeah. Just, I think yeah. that was set. Yeah, because there was like some research facility there or something, and then yeah, I think Wesker's daughter was like, or his sister was like sis daughter. Yeah. No, something. I think I think it was like his. Like, they were both clones, yeah. but the sister was, like, the superior one. And then she, like, mutated further and became, like, this monster thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I know about yeah. that is, like, when you go from wherever you start and then you go to Antarctica, you can, like, hard lock the game because you don't have the Magnum or something. <laughs> That's the only thing I know about that game. <laughs> and people say that games were better back then. <laughs> they clearly were. Patches back then. <laughs> yeah. Clearly. It was an artistic choice, you know. Like that's that, right. It, yeah, like it's it, Capcom just like reached out of your PlayStation and went, "Get good." <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing, and, and you know what? It's it's like a it's like a, a metaphor for life. You know, there's no second second chances in life. If you don't bring the Magnum with you, you're you're stuff. <laughs> like as I mean, we we've all like we're we're here in Australia, so we're like two hour two hour boat ride away from Antarctica, and we are all taught in school you have to bring your Magnum when you go to Antarctica. Like this is. It's it's you know your summer camp every year. <laughs> well, you didn't do that in year seven, guys. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, I mean, like like when? How old were you when you got your first pet kangaroo? I think I was like in grade seven. So like clearly. Oh no! Yeah, no. We yeah, had three yeah. at the house when like I yeah, was three. three. Man, three. I, I, I like my neighbor had two, and I was so jealous. But you know, right? Like <laughs> this is the standard. This is, this is what life is like down under. This is That's right. for all of our Croatian, Uruguayan, all of our different <laughs> listeners. Like. I hope we this have is to make friends <laughs> with deadly we, animals. No, we have to. Like, or well, we die. <laughs> I don't. Know, I know we might potentially be joking, but uh, when my parents' <laughs> house is like fifty meters away from like where the wallabies and kangaroos hang out, and like you would frequently see kangaroos jumping across the road. So, like, <laughs> so it's a little bit of truth in everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, but down this this end of the down this end of the northern suburbs, there's kangaroos everywhere. Yeah. If you go down the past the council ranges and all that, there's oh, for kangaroos sure, everywhere. They mate. just sit there and just stare at you. Mate, they did not listen to the 5K limit at all, man. I, I'm surprised. 
Like, I, th- I think there should be kangaroos and tradies at at at, uh, at Parliament House tomorrow, like on the weekend, like <laughs> protesting. You know, mate. <laughs> but you know what? The the problem is they don't make masks that fit over their face. Let's be honest. This is discrimination. <laughs> they are a national animal. We need to we need to take care of them. You know, to protect the kangaroos. <laughs> exactly. You know. Uh, Oh uh, well, that's uh, that's going to do it for another episode of Double Jumper Radio. Uh, thank you so much, John and Ty. Always great having you guys here. Ty, hopefully you are you you enjoyed <laughs> yeah. your time back. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. <laughs> uh, hope, <coughs> hopefully, folks at home uh, got to learn a little bit more about Australian culture and, and you know what it's really like. Like. Um, John's quiet because he's on he's on the west coast and over there they I think emus are their friends like over here with kangaroos are our it's like when you yeah. it's like when you ash catch them right if you're late for school you don't get the you don't get the kangaroo you don't get the wombat you end up with the, the emu <laughs> they lost the war against the emus we lost the war to the kangaroos yeah yeah that's the thing there's that, and that's why mate that's why like half the country's desert because the emus are just wanting a muck and like all the kangaroos like mate there's no grass there we gotta head over to the to the east the northern territory is actually just a dystopian post-apocalyptic future just yeah. nobody knows Mad Max was real yeah yeah uh, that, and that's the thing like um like it's over there it's just w- Wombat Central like there's, there's no it's a police state it's it, there's 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 no there's no governance over there mate like Wombats are no. crazy mate <laughs> The premier is a wombat. It's nobody knows, but he is a wombat. <laughs> yeah, good old, good old Johnny Wombat. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny Longclaw. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! I actually, you know what? I actually want to see. I want like a, an Australian version of like. You remember Harvey Birdman? Um, it was like this like cartoon network show or adult swim show about like a, like literally a superhero man like who was like a bird and it was like a lawyer yeah and like, it was a it was a weird interview show yeah like, like I, I want to see that but like, whatever it was yeah I want that but it was like like actually Australian animals like as like all <laughs> Harvey the Kookaburra yeah Harvey Kookaburra like you know good old good old Scotty Scott Morrison. I wonder what we can call him. No, uh, he'd be, he'd be like a galah. Scott Morrison. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah galah. <laughs> oh, I love it. Anyway, anyway, let's, um, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is this is what happens. You know, it's uh, this this is what happens at Double John. This is this is why we are the the number one podcast in Australia. Like we've been voted the. The annual Wombies, uh, as we call them, <laughs> down here, down under. <laughs> From Perth to Shackleton Station, we are number one. <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks so much, Ty. Thank you so much, John. Really appreciate uh, you guys jumping on. Folks at home, if you love what you heard, and why wouldn't you? Like, like honestly, uh, you can uh, feel free to uh, follow us on all of our socials head over to doublejump.co to read all of our awesome articles and yeah uh, please subscribe or press follow on whatever podcast service you're using right now and until next time look out for one another peace see ya